Well, welcome to the next episode of Hidden Voices with um, Anna Francisca. <clears throat> Unfortunately, Francisca can't be with us today. So it's myself, Emma Lewis, in conversation with Dr. Tatiana Rosen. Would you like to introduce yourself, Tatiana? Oh, thank you, Emma. I am a social psychologist and gerontologist, and I lecture in coaching and personal development at Henley Business School. So I teach for people that are very young and really mature, so it's a really nice mix of experiences I, I find there. And one of the key things that I do in terms of what I teach and research is on ageing at work. Aging is something that we all face. We age from the day we're born. We don't talk enough about what happens after certain age band and the implications to work life. So all my research is around aging at work, transitions, transitions in middle life, retirement and silver entrepreneurship as well. So pretty much looking at the end of the spectrum of the mid to end, the working life, as in my, with my students, some of them are right at the beginning. That sounds really interesting. So why, why were you drawn to that particular phase in people's lives? What is it that piqued your interest? Well, when I started to, when I was a student studying psychology, there was a very big emphasis on child development and adolescence as a key part that we would have the possibility to intervene. And at the time, it really puzzled me why we didn't talk enough about aging. And one of the things that particularly puzzled me is how sometimes when we meet someone that retired, why we take away all the knowledge that they had in their careers. So suddenly when people receive the label of a pensioner or retired, uh, we stop relating with who they were before and we start relating with a stereotype. But that's something that always bothered me, maybe because I was concerned about my own retirement one day and I didn't want some someday to, to meet someone and, 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 and feel stripped of my knowledge just because I was not active at work anymore. Um, with time, I realized that retirement, you can only understand retirement if you understand midlife. Midlife really sets you to what happens next. And so most of the issues we find with all the workers today, the indicators were happening in midlife. That's why today most of my research focus on middle-aged workers and people in midlife um, looking to come back to the workforce as well. And what sort of issues do you see? I see a range of issues, Emma, and I think this is it's a really rich area. And, and I will start with the first obvious one, is this idea that we all age the same. When we look at statistics, we, we always grouped as a one group of a particular age band, and we age very differently. Not only health-wise, but what we do have interests, they're different, and, and, and what we learn over time is different, which means that this, this age group is extremely diverse in terms of the possibilities and, and, and the areas that each of us need to address. So I think that was really surprising that over time I can see more and more and there's a bit of a mismatch with the way we think about certain age groups. The other thing is how, as a society, we're leaving a bit of, a again, another mismatch because we 
see age or the numbers, the chronological age, representing people that no longer exist. We talk about people in their 50s. We open an advert about, I don't know, dating sites for people over 50. And everyone looks so old. And and Jennifer Lopez is 50. So it's, it's, okay, she looks fabulous. But that's not the point. The point is, it does not represent people at that age. And for some reason, we attach that number to a much older range of people. So we live longer. We live healthier. We are much more active and, and, and so on, but we have not moved on with the mentality we had in the 20th century that, that it was, was different. So that, that again is a big area and an area that's only education will help people see what, what we're missing out in terms of not opening up to what's happening. And another is a consequence of that because the way we think about aging of others impact what we do for ourselves so we might not take certain opportunities because of our age or we might not make certain job changes because of our age and there's a range of things that we do or don't do based on the same stereotypes we impose to other people so as someone that comes from psychology that likes to develop people that's a a, a massive pity when you see individuals with huge potential to do all sorts of wonderful things being held back by an idea of an age rather than who they are and the things they have in front of them. And just from my own experience, I've seen people who are really keen to retire early and be able to be financially secure at an early point in their lives. So you see people who are quite focused on doing that. But I also see lots of people who want to continue working into their 70s even, not because financially they need to, but because they enjoy what they do and they want to still feel like a valuable participant in the workplace and in society. And, And maybe it's to do with that once you stop work, you become invisible you become part of this this group of pensioners. Uh, I, it's interesting you touch on that, Emma. I see both groups as well. I see the people that want to retire, they're working really hard and they're, they're really saving every penny to, to get that quicker. And it's it's fantastic. And I see a number of people that do to feel they have something to give still and, and, and they don't want to just go. And when I look at the job market, what I don't see is a clear setup for that. It's it's a lot of all or nothing. All or nothing, or you go on your own. That's a third option as well. And I think we're missing a trick here of having a space where people can participate in their own terms. And, And when we participate in our own terms, we give our best to what we're doing because we're getting what we need out of it. And and I feel that workplaces are not designed like that. Um, and if we are starting to change the way we see work and people's relationship with work and start trusting people at work to design their time or arrange their flexibility the way that works for them, then not only will give more opportunities for people that want to work into their 70s, and I know people that work into their 80s because they're healthy and there's no reason not to, we might as well create opportunities for people that left to come back because they left, they had a couple of years off, 
done it, they enjoyed it, feel like coming back, then there's a way back. And what is interesting about aging, while we're having this discussion about aging, you might be thinking, well, that's not only good for people of that age group, that would benefit everyone. Mothers that leave workplace and they want to come back, people that have caring responsibilities, they might want to change a bit the way they work, or others that might have to spend some time looking after their health, but still want to work to be able to do that as well. So the new ways of working that will come, because it's inevitable with, with an aging, a growing uh, older population around the world, um, will lead to a workplace that is actually better for a lot of us in that sense. And you, you mentioned, you know, the experience of people who are older you know they gather huge amounts of knowledge and experience and then take that with them when they retire if they choose to but from an economic point of view if we look at what's going on at the moment in the uk for example we need more people to be working we need to be putting money into the economy and actually there's a, there's quite a shortfall of of um uh, available employees in, in quite a few sectors. I know that in the sector I work in, which is which is science and research, there's actually a real um, deficit in the number of people or um, experienced people that are required in the workforce. So we have to be more creative or employers do need to be more creative about how they uh, attract different types of workforce into their organizations and for me it's a no-brainer if you've got these these really experienced and mature people that you find a way to incorporate those into your workforce in a, in a meaningful way whether that's through consultancy or offering flexible working or you know being able to give people the balance that they need to be able to continue working it's true and and you touch on something that's really important this shortage of workers we always heard about this battle for talent that would come and i think that it it came in, in many sectors you mentioned research healthcare is another sector that it's unsustainable every country is fighting to to keep the workers that they have so it's not global mobility that's the issue the issue we don't really have enough people coming through the pipeline to fill the spaces so we cannot leave cannot let it the ones that are there leave because work is not flexible and you are aware Emma that I do some research around menopause as well mm. and menopause is one of those big issues that we were not aware that were leading many women to think twice about going back or staying at work or at least staying the terms that they were there before and and that is is an indicator that there are other groups and other groups of people they are facing the same dilemma should i continue here sacrificing myself my well-being my health just to fit in or should i just leave because i can't take this anymore and we we touched on healthcare there but the nhs i think I'm I'm kind of remembering, but it's about 80% of the workers are female. So, you know, it's a very, very high proportion. And if even if half of those are women who are reaching um, 40 plus, um, that's going to be an awful lot of women who are affected by the menopause who are within the NHS. So, you know, making sure that, that there is sustainability for people to be able to continue to work is incredibly important. Otherwise, we're not going to be able to 
treat the patients that we currently do. And we know that the NHS is under huge amounts of pressure. Um, and that's just an indicator for one type of organisation. But, you know, it's going to affect other organisations as well. It's, it, it's interesting that you mentioned that because the data show that actually there's a large proportion of all these women you already mentioned on the NHS are reaching their, their 40s now. So it's a big chunk of the women that are there. And uh, and I know that we list, hear quite a lot about the symptoms of menopause and how that can cause quite a lot of trouble for women at work. But I would say there's more to that stage of life than that. A lot of women have children, they are in their teens, that can be a bit difficult. Uh, they might be caring for their parents, they might be feeling the pressure of reaching a particular stage in their career and, and, and facing certain things that, that, that they might, choices they made that they won't be able to come back on. So it's a stage of life that is really full is really full so for someone that's not feeling well within themselves to persevere without support I just don't see that that being doable without health implications later on and this moment in history is unique in that regard because women generally speaking pre-second world war didn't work or if they had families they stayed at home to look after them people didn't live as long. So you wouldn't expect to be caring for teenagers at the same time as, as elderly parents. And yet that is a really common scenario for today's women in the workforce who are also juggling careers. And if they want to progress their careers and take on more responsibility, there is that expectation of spending time in the office, being available on email, being available for last minute meetings and fully participating in a way that uh, your male counterparts would but with far more um, pushing and pulling forces on you um, from those around you. It's in the, the, the building up on that, because I completely agree with you, Emma, the points you're bringing, is the fact that um, now I'm talking about women at work, we are trained to be so competent all the time because you're always trying to compensate for uh, this or that or all the gender issues we see at work and when you reach a stage that maybe you are a little bit on the tired end to be completely competent as you used to be or maybe your memory doesn't seem to be as good or, or then the, the pressure that you feel is immense because suddenly that one thing that kept you really afloat in this very competitive market was the fact that you could deliver every time and, and having to deal with with ebbs and flows of our reproductive health can can be really difficult emotionally and, and one of the things I found is in my studies a lot of women don't feel themselves or they reach a point that they, they accept this is who I am now and what I'm going to do with it yeah. Than, than that, that decision point and I would say that that decision point if women get to that point they are in a good place because if they question if they should not just should be human and, and, and embrace the fact that their body is going a particular way um, it means that they're well enough to to make choices of what are the real priorities 
Do you think there are options available for those women? Do you think, because if you think about that sort of ageism and genderism that we see in the workplace, if a woman holds her hands up and says, actually, I want to work part time or I want to take less responsibility, do you think that would is viewed favourably by employers? Honestly, I don't think so, Emma, because I think that confirms a stereotype. That yeah. confirms a stereotype of work is not your focus or you're not ambitious enough because we are intelligent educated beings but the reality is the stereotypes really take over the automatic thinking of uh, managers employers and and ours as well because we 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 have a brain that shortcuts things for us anyway so does not help and the other thing that i think we cannot failing saying even someone that can carry on as usual when we see women that no longer desire career progression because they feel they don't have the energy, yeah. it's a massive loss for an organization because what they're losing is that experience, that commitment over um, over particular work standard. And I'm not talking about quality, I'm talking about quantity that is not uh, in keeping with, with uh, where women are at that particular stage and I think as an individual psychologically accepting that you are at, at a transition point in your life because women go through so many transitions don't we through you know with puberty and then becoming reproductive people who potentially are having children or struggling with infertility to going through the menopause we have many times where our bodies are going through changes and transitions in a way that's that's different to the way that men age and then accepting that actually you're not no longer um, as ambitious or feel as competent as you once did that's that's quite hard for people it is hard it is hard and I must say this this doing research on menopause got really close to my heart the same sense of injustice and justice that I had with the label of being retired being a way to strip people of their possibilities is this idea of women reaching that stage and being stripped the chances they have to to do something that they want to might not be necessarily progress but might be being active and contribute to 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 that workplace and society in general and when I look around the support systems today and I think we are in a much better place than we were a year ago two years ago but I'm really still concerned about the stereotypes of everything we open our mouths to talk about menopause is negative. Most of us. Yeah. It's That's okay. certainly been the focus recently, hasn't it? <laughs> yes, yes. So it's okay that we need to raise awareness, right, about the discomfort. It's fine. I, I get that. But if we never see the positives, we are perpetuating this stage, this phase of life is completely undesirable. And what are the positives that you've come across in your research from this phase in life or from, from the menopause? It's, it's interesting. Not, not all women would have this experience of symptoms that are really debilitating. Some women don't experience any of that and, and they just go on, but they, they don't become, they don't have the banner on 
to say that actually they're going through the menopause and they're absolutely fine. So this this is the the, the the neutral point at the baseline we have we have this this group. But I spoke to women on my research, Emma, that had very hard times dealing with symptoms. Um, and they could not take any hormones for all sorts of health reasons. So it was even a bit more serious than just having a hard time and being able to take something to relieve it. And one of the things they say is they learn to make choices that are the right choices for them. And they finally learn to say no. No to things that they would say, used to say yes, just to please people around them. And I think this is really positive because a lot of us that are listening, if we know how many times we said yes to things that we should have said no. Especially women coming back to that that gendered (laughs) point, but we are socialized to be helpful. We are socialized to be be the person in our community to support others to be helpful that's that's how we're socialized as people so women tend to say yes when they meet no much more often than men would who perhaps have a clear idea of what they want to do what their priorities are and are very focused on achieving those um, and ignore the extra things that perhaps women pick up along the way to make sure that everything moves forward so it's 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 and it's interesting. The other group I found of positive stories of menopause are the women that found their true vocation, their true purpose at that stage. Amazing, because it forced them to go back and think, "Hang on, why am I doing all of this, and for who?" And sometimes they didn't even know why why they were doing it. It's just automatic pilots allow them to actually reflect on what they wanted for themselves in their careers, in their personal lives and so on. But we don't usually talk about these experiences. And sometimes we know, we know, Emma, you know, personal development, sometimes personal transformation comes from from places of pain and difficulties and challenge because that's what makes us go back on ourselves and reflect what we're doing and why we're doing certain things. So actually, it's quite a lot of good things that come out of um, those transitions, especially midlife, because men experience transition in midlife as well, where the shift in, in focus takes place. It's just for women, is a bit more evident in the body as well as the phase of life. And and do you see those same shifts in men? Do they occur at the same time or do they occur earlier or later? Do men experience, you know, waivers in their confidence? Do they decide they don't want to take on an extra responsibility? Because that was one area in my research that I didn't have the time or scope to be able to do was actually to compare women's experience with men's experience to see how different it is. Did, were you able to speak to, or in your research, have you spoken to men at that time of their lives? I, not not on this particular research, but I can tell you, doing research on ageing more broadly, Emma, men do, do experience these shifts of transitions as well. Often not related to their health, but sometimes related to their health. We know that men uh, in the past, not so much these days, I think we healthcare has gone a long way of helping people not having heart disease so young or or having any of these chronic conditions so young. But men experience that that 
that same kind of reality of not being able to go back to work full on because they did not have that anymore in terms of health. Mm-hmm. Um, what I find is because men has a more established place at work, that's a bit less painful um, in terms of a transition because the level of threat by losing something is not as high as for women. The women in their 50s now, they're the first real generation of women in the workplace in the 50s, the baby boomers, the previous generation, as you said, were at home at this stage of life. They were not. Very rarely, or a small minority would be at work. Um, The other thing that's interesting as well, I think women, we talk more about it, the self-doubt that we experience at this stage of life. And that's something to praise us. We have to praise ourselves for being able to talk about it. Uh, where a lot of men do not talk about it. So what they do is they bottle in, they go cycling on the weekend and cycle, 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 or go for a run, and and they just don't talk about it because it's just not something that's acceptable as a woman talking about yeah. self-doubt, especially at this stage uh, in our careers. And I want to touch on a little bit about... Um... I think, you, do you call it silver entrepreneurialism? Like, how, what, how do you say it? But, um, you know, you were talking about this change in purpose and values. You've seen a lot of women opt to become self-employed and become entrepreneurs at this stage in, in their lives. Yes, it's a, a really growing trend of the silver entrepreneurship because as people not finding the opportunities at work, they're trying to come back in a different way uh, and we see a lot of women women because women are used to have to deal with more changes in their working lives and, and, and sort of balance a bit more this uh, route back into work and out of work and sadly a lot of women find themselves in their midlife with very low pension pots because they might have stopped working when they had children or they relied on on their spouse pension pot and that relationship might not have carried on. So the need for an income becomes quite evident for women in mid to late life. Um, so entrepreneurship is a good way to to allow people to go back to work again in their own terms. And it this doesn't come necessarily from my research, but colleagues' research in the north of the UK looking into self-employment in, in the very late stage of career, they found that even though some of the self-employed individuals could say that they didn't have job security because if they had a sick day, that was an unpaid day, yeah. the advantage of controlling their time overcomes the, the, the risk factor. So they prefer to be able to, to control their time and to look after themselves over having the security of that permanent job. When they found that people preferred the flexibility and autonomy over job security, they thought that was really surprising, but does not surprise me. Because what is 
I will ask this question as an open question to anyone listening. What is job security anyway? It's difficult to define in today's work environment. My parents were in the workforce. My dad went into an organisation and stayed there until he retired. Um, and that's what you expected is that you would have a single career. But of course, these days, people have multiple iterations of their career or even um, sort of portfolio careers um, where they're doing different things at the same time. So I guess being self-employed gives people that opportunity to focus on their purpose, focus on their values, do the things that they really want to do and have the flexibility to be able to uh, live their lives in the way that um, meets everything that they need as an individual. It, it's true. And Emma, I start, I, I think about myself a lot when I do my research, but what I think is, imagine if I'm going to be doing the same job or the same organization from my 20s up to, I'm probably going to be one of those that need to work until my 70s. Yeah. It's just going to be intolerable. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> yeah. I think we, we, we all need change anyway to be able to work that long because otherwise we just would stay stuck in that. And, and organisations wouldn't move forward. You know, if we don't, if we're not challenging ourselves and challenging our thinking, we're not going to be creative and not going to be problem solving individuals if we're just focused on doing the day to day things the same way every time. Organisations can't move forward either. So, you know, allowing individuals and individual employees to be able to do different things within their roles or take on additional responsibilities is a benefit to the organisation as well as motivational for that person. It's true. And you now led me very nicely to a, a second point about aging at work. One, once when we talk about uh, when we were talking about menopause, there's a clear focus there on health and how health is important in midlife and beyond. And because we are women, we are faced with menopause as well, in addition to any other particular health issues. But it, it's one of the most important resources. The second one is learning. The second one is this ability to carry on learning at work. And what research tells me is when people stop learning, their relevance in the job market diminish and their confidence to take on something new goes down as well. And with I mentioned the stereotype. We have the stereotypes of the age groups and sometimes we apply them on your, ourselves. And sometimes it takes a good manager or a good colleague to say, come on, go on, go on. Try that, that training or that course or that program you always thought about doing to get someone to actually just commit to, to a learning agenda. But learning is such an important part to carry on active at work and uh, and relevant and, and, and in a way being able to make choices of what we want to do that we cannot take that for granted. So I'll say that's the second most important resource we have to take us to aging well at work. So if organisations want to create an environment for women, but not only women to thrive as they get older, is to provide good health care. You know, um, I think lots of organisations now do diabetes testing or have private health care opportunities. 
Um, but the menopause has sort of fallen by the wayside a little bit in that, you know, it's difficult to get um, an assessment sometimes. It's difficult to get um, your, you know, to, to, to really have your symptoms assessed and have the right treatment made available to you. And organisations could certainly be talking to their healthcare providers about that. They could be providing learning opportunities for everyone um, and also providing flexibility. And that sounds like, you know, three fairly straightforward things that organisations can be doing to create an environment that will retain their older workforce. It's true. And I'm going to add to that, Emma, all these things will benefit everyone, everyone at work. I heard, I, I, I read a lot of things on social media and sometimes I, I read things about, oh, help women through the menopause because you're helping you, your wife, your sister, your cousin, whatever. But actually, no, once we allow women to have their space and be looked after, we're allowing men that might be experiencing something that's not pleasant as well to be looked after as well because we're just creating that normality. It's normal that we need to look after ourselves uh, from time to time, sometimes more, sometimes less. But it's normal. It's, there's nothing abnormal about it. And it's the same with with learning it, it we should all be learning not just young age any age is part of being competitive as, as an individuals and organizations a team and, and so on and flexibility as well it's not just for the middle ages they are struggling spinning all the plates but actually to everyone so we can we can accommodate everyone's needs at the same time be productive in, a, in an intelligent way not in a timetable sort of uh, old-fashioned way it sounds it sounds like such a great environment to be in it makes you want to work longer <laughs> if you've got that <laughs> flexibility the opportunities to learn um, it sounds wonderful um, before we we finish um, Satiana there's a question we always ask um, our guests and that is if you could really be seen if you could say something and be heard you know really have people listen to your voice what would you say to people what's important to you that you'd like to communicate to the listeners i would say that age is just a number and behind that there's a person and you should always ask about them and i will leave it like that fantastic thank you very much Thank you. You've been listening to Hidden Voices with Emma and Francisca, and we look forward to sharing our next podcast with you very soon.